had the unique pleasure of doing something I've never done before this week. What's that? I got to name a cow or a baby cow, a cow. About to say there's a name for that, bud. Yeah, it's calf. I got to name a calf this. What'd you name it? I named it Iona. Not even fucking Herbert. You fucked up, bud. Well, it's a it's a girl. So can't name a girl Herbert. That just doesn't seem correct. Says who you fuck. You could easily name it Herbert. No, I named Herber- it Iona, and then Herberta. I had to go into the fucking ten minute explanation of what Iona is. I don't know why I was thinking about it. Oh, I know why I was thinking about Iona because I was thinking of characters that I wanted in New Zendikar. And I want them to actually have the gods that the Adrazi Titans were supposed to represent, like Amiria. Um, I don't remember what the other two are, but like the Merfolk on Zendikar originally worshipped like three gods, and it turns out that those were just like memories of the Eldrazi Titans. Did not know. So I went on this big rant to my girlfriend about like Iona and like Amiria and all this like other shit, and she's just like, I I don't care. I don't know why I'm dating you. (laughs) She's like, I asked you to name a cow and you just broke down the entire lore that wasn't even part of the lore of Zendikar. I don't even know what a Zendikar is. (laughs) You went some next level nerd. Oh yeah. Like I sent her pictures of Iona and like the pictures of like Amiria, the sky ruin and shit. Yeah. You should have known this, but this is really your fault. There is now a calf out there, the future cow, named... Well, it's already a cow. Iona, which is a baby boy. It is a baby cow. So this episode is dedicated to Iona the cow. This episode is brought to you by cows. Yeah, we're going to start doing that, like Sesame Street. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the, the letter, letter C. C. C for cow. C. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to be friends after that. Shut so it just burn down. this thing to the ground? You press the two buttons, it makes itself destruct. Actually, Order 66, isn't that the... That's Star Wars. Is it? I have no idea. Pretty sure it's Star Wars. Now nah, who's the nerd? Still you. <laughs> okay, yep, fair. I named a calf a niche magic card, and uh, you quoted one of the most popular movie franchises of all time. I get it. Okay, yep. <laughs> also one of the nerdiest. Uh, I will just say that, but it's cool. What's nerdier, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Huh, that's a good I'm fucking gonna go... question. Ahead and say... Hold on, wait. Is... Hold on, don't say it yet. On three. All right. One, two, three. Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Okay, nailed it. Okay, yep. Yeah, it's 100% Lord of the Rings. Not close. Yeah, I, I would have to be in agreement with that. Because Lord of the Rings has, like... It's only a couple movies, but it's, like, books and shit. And just, like, the sheer number of people that have seen the Star Wars movies has to just dwarf the number of people that have seen... Lord the, of the uh, Rings, yeah. Lord of the Rings movies. Or, like, read the books and shit like that. Yeah, I could easily see that being the case. Oh, but the Hobbit, the lore. Ah. Never actually got into the like the lore of it, that part. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of it. Like, the new we, movies I, are pretty dope, though. I'll give movies them are really good. Yep. All we're not really in a position really to talk good. shit about like Lord of the Rings lore, because I just went on a tirade about magic, magic lore. Magic, yeah. Pretty spot on. What's nerdier, knowing magic lore or knowing Lord of the Rings lore? For sure, knowing magic lore. That's, oh. not, even a, that's not even a question. Okay, maybe... Uh, see, I don't know. Because think about it. You could just watch the movies and read the books and just, like, be satiated at that. But, like, in order to get, like, real deep on Lord of the Rings lore, you probably have to do a shitload of research. Or read the books. Like, the books are pretty in-depth, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. I can't read. Fair. That doesn't actually surprise me. Yeah, I just look at the pretty pictures. That's why I know everything about magic lore. Because it's all on the pretty pictures. Yeah, you just get to see the, the pretty arts. That's mm. why you're so into art. Yeah, because I can't read. 
I'm illiterate. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's a puzzle. It all, it adds up. <laughs> it's just like seeing into the matrix. Just insert that gif of like the, the white lady. Just like looking off into the distance and the numbers are behind her. <laughs> like yeah. equations. That's you right now. Yes. You're not wrong. That's going to be the longest intro ever. It's going to be like five minutes of intro. What is up, you lit lickers? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, a French vanilla mythic rare, Tyler. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, a card with a unique protection, Matt. Matt, what is up? Nothing. I've been uh, hanging out. I was out of town for today and a couple days prior. The only nice thing is I didn't have to stay over anywhere. It was all day trips. Yeah, I feel like having to stay at places with the pandemic, you know, like still happening, probably not the best idea. It's not. Definitely not the best idea. But then uh, we're getting some new furniture before our baby bop, uh, mainly because our couch is five years old and kind of the shit got kicked out of it just over time with dogs. and. Oh, uh, please tell me you're not getting us. rid of that couch. No. Yeah. Where am I going to sleep? In the spare bedroom. Yeah, but the couch, though. That couch is so comfortable, but man. that couch, though. <laughs> Yo, that couch. Now, that couch is the most comfortable. Thing. Like, it's more comfortable than any bed I've slept. It's less comfortable now, just, just for how, been, like, how old it is. No, I have gotten better night sleeps on that couch than I think every hotel room we've ever been to, like for magic events. I would 1,000% rather go to your house, sleep on your couch, and wake up and go play like a nine-round tournament than any other place on the planet. It's a pretty dope couch. It was, at least. Very now good you can fill you can fill the bar in your back. Ooh, less good. <laughs> Welcome to the MTG Furniture Podcast. Hey, man, someone's got to do it. <laughs> We're just going to just start reviewing furniture from around the world. Did you realize how, like, many views that would actually get? That has to be something already, right? I would assume so. If you're going to buy a gaming chair, buy an ergonomic, like, computer chair. See, I'm just sitting on, like, a plastic, like, school desk chair. Oh, I can't do that shit anymore. Well, I have, like, a blanket, like, folded up underneath it and, like, on the back so it has, like, some cushion, but... Yeah, get or get a love sack. Those things are fucking amazing. See, love sacks fuck my shit up. Really? Yeah, like makes my back hurt because I'm oh apparently God, 100 years old. I could literally live on that. No, I can't deal with See, me and love sacks no, we don't don't agree with each other. Does not get along. No. no. Well, we really are the, the Factor Jock Furniture podcast now. <laughs> I'm cool with it. I said I'm cool. I'm fine with that. This will be our most downloaded episode of all time because people are just tuning in to think that we're talking about furniture the entire time. I'm fine with that. And then we throw them with the curveball where we talk about the ban and restricted announcement that happened this week. Nope, not doing it. And the viewer it just, dropped just dropped right there. To the fucking floor. And the normal four people that listen are just like, oh yeah, this is what I'm here for. And all the furniture people are just like, what the fuck is a ban and restriction? I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, it turns out legs were actually banned from all chairs. So now everything is sitting on the ground. Love sacks, dude. <laughs> there you go. Love sacks are taking over the the furniture meta. <laughs> Damn it. Fucking Christ. Well, it turns out, nope, all the chairs can still have their legs. Love sacks are still going to be tier two. But there were some changes in magic formats. Notably, that there were cards that were affected were from standard and historic. Easy enough for us. The two cards that were banned in Standard were also the two cards banned in Historic. It was Agent of Treachery and Fires of Invention. I believe when we initially talked about this, we did 
kind of assumed that Agent of Treachery was going to get banned. It was just really abysmal when your opponent would just accelerate into an Agent of Treachery, whether it was with, like, Winota or, like, Luca or something like that, and then just steal your lands. Like, that's pretty abysmal. Yeah, I guess that that was, like, a real big thing. Standard. Yeah, big time. That like was, like, with, the top You literally strategy. have, uh, like, dorks. Like, you could attack with the, uh, what's it called, the, the Gilded Goose and the yeah. O3 idiot who lets you put a land into play. Oh, and the uh, the two one that has Hexproof when it's untapped. That too, and you just get all these triggers with Winota because they can attack. It doesn't matter if you're attacking for damage or not. Correct. Cheeky, cheeky, cheeky people. Pretty good. And then the Luka deck was just playing tokens, and like obviously you're not going to hit uh, in a deck that only has one creature. You're not going to hit anything besides that one creature, so... Yeah, that doesn't seem like a fun standard format. Yeah, and also it doesn't seem like it's particularly healthy for Historic either, because you got to consider Historic is also still essentially just standard. It's like super standard. Yeah, it's it's like standard plus. So I guess it's it kind of like deeper, the old. Ex- it's like extended. Yeah, kind of like like very very old style magic. Extended, yeah, like yep. the last four sets or whatever. And then also Fire was an invention. Um, I didn't really see this one coming. It's a mana doubler. That's the. But like that card is just reading the text of that card. Just like, oh, how can I break this as fast as I possibly? And turns out there was ways to do it. Yeah. Anything that really doubles your mana lets you play free spells. Yeah. Usually pretty busted. And especially when the spells that you're playing, like the five mana spells in this format are fucking nuts. Well, Luca. Like there's Planeswalkers. There's the uh, the fixed version of the Titans. I can't remember what they're called. Oh, the Cavaliers. Uh, there's that's that not one. even Sphinx. the Cavaliers aren't even the most busted to be doing. That's the no, crazy but that, part. You got to finish the game somehow, and like that Red Cavalier crushes so hard. That Red Cavalier is brutal. It like fires just so you know you just cast it for free along with another creature and just get wild. Like it's just that's pretty rough magic. People had tried that in modern with turns deck. What fires? Yeah, because there's that really yeah. shitty uh, time walk or time yeah time walk. Yeah, the one that says yeah. you don't untap during your untap step. Yeah, and it's like okay, cool. Yeah, it's just care. literally it's three mana. Take an extra turn. You, uh, you don't untap. Your lands, your lands don't untap. Your lands yeah. don't untap. Um, Which guess what? When totally you get to fun. cast free spells. Yeah, you can just cast another time walk next turn, and then the turn after that they do untap. So that's pretty neat. Well, yeah, you don't good. even really need them to untap. That's the crazy part. So I, so that frees up some people to do some uh, more interesting things in Standard. But we're not here to talk about Standard and Historic. We are here to talk about the change that occurred with the companion mechanic across all of Magic. This is a this is wild. It had to be done. Yeah, but it just this is so unprecedented, right? Like the oh, fact that they just completely yeah. change a mechanic entirely. Like there's only a handful of other times that this has happened. I know the other ones. Time Vault. Time Vault was errated a couple times. Time Vault still reads as the same? No, it was errated initially a couple times because I was looking at previous examples for this. It was, I don't remember the exact cards that it was changed with, but it was errated. And then did it go back to normal because it's how it reads? Yeah, but as far as them changing an entire mechanic... That's very new, too. It's yeah. not like some old-ass... Yeah, Not so chaos orb getting errated, tap, destroy, sack, destroy. Yep. I will read the exact text that uh, Wizards gave us. So, as of June 1st, the new companion rule is once per game, anytime you could cast a sorcery, you can pay three generic mana 
to put your companion from your sideboard into your hand. This is a no other abilities action. on the stack, right? This is a special action and or, or special action, not an activated ability. So let's go into that a little bit. Well, I For guess people, it would have to be nothing on the stack to sorcery. This is a weird thing that I think a lot of magic players, especially if they're just like generically just playing the game and having fun, the whole special action thing is not crazy intuitive. So the way special actions work, it's special actions consist of things that do not use the stack. So like playing a land is a special action. Another one is flipping over a face down card. So like a more for a manifest or something like that. Those are special actions. They don't use the stack. This falls into that category, which is, is weird, but makes a lot of sense. So you can't like stifle that or anything. No, you cannot. Hmm. Because, again, it, there's no trigger that goes it's, on the yeah, stack. Yeah, it just, just happens. happens. But so functionally in a game of magic, the companion thing still stands where at the beginning of the game, you reveal your companion from your sideboard. It is a revealed card. And then you just continue to play the game like the companion mechanic normally did. Like, you're, everybody knows the companion's there. But instead of just being able to throw it on the battlefield, you now have to put it in your hand and pay three generic mana to do so. I mean... This really, really hurts the three mana companions a lot more than any other companion. Actually, I think the one that really is hurt the worst by that is Obosh. Yep. Uh, that okay. Yeah. This because you like curve into slaughtered that one. Obosh. Like it ruined that card. I don't. I don't think that card is playable in a competitive constructed format at, at all now, because the idea with Obosh was to, like you said, curve out with the really powerful one mana and three mana spells. And then slam Obosh on five and turn everything sideways and kill. Yeah, get get frisky with it. Yeah, um, it becomes a lot worse when uh, your five minute spell is now eight minute. Yeah, and some of them it doesn't really like doesn't seem to affect all that much. Like, like Yorian. Yorian. Yeah, that one. Not comes at all. To mind. That is the first one I thought of. That's just like okay, well, if that card ever gets to the point where it's taking over a format the change in role really doesn't impact that a significant amount. But, like, think of it in the case of the companion that was really, really screwing things up, Luris. This doubles Luris, uh, his, its casting card. Like, just straight doubles it. Yeah, which doesn't seem that great. I'm sure there are some scenarios where it's like, okay, like, long control decks that the mana doesn't really matter. It's just having the access to it. And I don't, I don't understand if that's correct or not. I feel like that was one of the best parts about them was you just always have it. Yeah, 100%. But now, well, but now it just you still have it. It's just going to cost you slightly more. Well, the thing was that the companions were just, they just seemed, and this was the analogy that a lot of people used, they just seemed like they were a free card in your hand. Now, it's not free anymore. Yeah, you got to pay for it. Yeah, you have you to pay to play. pay three mana. You got to pay to play, turns out. You're not on uh, house money. Nope. Little so gambling now- reference there for you. Welcome to the Fetch Shot game. <laughs> but, yeah, now that you have to pay three mana to put Luris in your hand, this means, assuming that there's no other shenanigans with, like, rituals or any kind of other significant ramp, the earliest you can put Luris on the battlefield is turn four. Oh, yeah, without... I was like, what are you talking about? Without shenanigans and ramp. Yeah, without and, yeah. Any, anything too crazy. Yeah, so you get Luris in a one-drop or a zero-drop on four sands, rituals, ramp. Yeah, I'm sure... Th- I guess there's still a world where you can go, like, turn one, three dark rituals, uh, get Luris cast it. <laughs> and demonic tutor for something. Yeah. I, I, I don't really see that being the, the, the play, though. 
No, and I think this is fun. Like, casual formats, have at it. Play with fucking companions. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want to do with your friends. Um, but for competitive formats, I believe that is the correct move that they made. Yeah, I think this is a net positive for Magic. Because what this really does is, it gives non-companion decks a, a chance to play the game. Yeah, gives them a shot at the title. Yeah, it becomes to a point where now it's not just... 100% correct to play the companion deck and do whatever you need as far as deck building goes to make sure that companion fits the deck. Now, if you want to play the companion, go ahead. It's not completely dead, but it is significantly slower. It might just be that your deck is just better not screwing with it. Yeah, because you were just like you were just messing up if you didn't play with companions yeah. for that. And my the first thing that comes to mind is modern with this. Um, and specifically Jund in Modern, like, it was just incorrect when Luris just had the previous text of three mana, put it on the battlefield. It was just wrong to play anything besides the Luris version of Jund. Now, I mean, I can see a functional Jund deck still doing the two mana and lower thing and still playing Luris and just using Luris as a way to, like, buy back some value things. Some Planeswalkers or... Yeah, um, like Renin 6 or something like that. or something, yeah. But I... Don't know if that is 100% the right build, especially depending on what meta you're playing in. There, like, It could just be that you being able to play your Lilianas again, and you uh, are uh, now again allowed to play your like your Blood Braid, Blood Braid Elves and stuff. Like That could just be the better Jund deck. I don't know. The six mana, because Jund is the long game, yeah, generally. Like, you can get aggressive and get frisky, but, but generally you're going to have six mana where you could... or mana broken up over time especially with renin six making land drop hitting your land drops yeah. and good old bob and you that card advantage and then you just kind of go buck wild but is the card advantage or just the the tempo that you're gaining from playing like liliana from playing uh Coligan's command from playing blood Bright elf is like you is can that still play Coligan's command yeah you can it, it, but from like play... at least liliana blood Bright elf there's a couple other things like the sideboard things that i'm sure people would want to bring in like, there was a time where... Um, Someone call Reed Duke and ask him. Yeah, that's who I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, again, like, like I said before, it, that, this is really dependent on the meta, too. Because this really changes the meta of my, this change. Because now it's just not automatically, I'm playing Laris. And if you're not playing Laris, uh, you're going to have to do something pretty good for me not to just out-value value you this game. Yeah, there's, there's some play to it now. Yeah. Um, with this change, though, I would like to see them go back and unban Luris from Legacy. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to either. I would love to see it, though, because I do want to be able to play Luris in the main deck of Death and Taxes just to see how it would go. I don't even know if it's better than other cards in the deck, like in that specific slot. But I at least want to try it out. Luris is just so good. Yeah, he, it's a freak. Yeah, Luris is just disgusting. But this is a net positive for, for Companion. I enjoy the the fact that they are actually taking the initiative to change the mechanic too, and not just being like ban it outright. Because banning it outright, although it solves a lot of problems, it's the easy way out. Yeah, like this shows that Wizards is very much thinking about the mechanic that they printed that is dumb, and thinking, okay, how can we mend this wound that we opened up? Yeah, it's just a way to. Well put. I don't really have much to add to that. That's a really good way to put it. They're trying. They weren't just like, oh, banned. See you later. 
Yeah, and I like to see effort over top of the easy way, especially if they're going to continue pushing boundaries with cards and mechanics. Them showing that they do have the capacity to not just like, oh, we fucked up, ban this thing, let's forget about this ever happening. Them being like, oh, well, maybe if we tweak it in this way. Obviously, you can't do this with a card that just has, like, text printed on it. Like, that's hard to just change the way that the card says it's going to work. Yeah. But with an entire mechanic, it's that's much, much easier. Yeah, it's just... I'm interested to see how this changes Modern and changes Legacy. Because, I, I mean, Companions were still very good in Legacy. In the past week before this announcement came out, there was an event that the finals were a mirror match of Garuda. Yeah, the Lotus Box tournament series or whatever yep. they're doing. Shout out to Death and Taxes who got third place in that event. And I am looking at that Garuda deck. There's, I don't think there's any way that Death and Taxes beats that deck ever in a million years. So be I'm glad the, this change was made for that. Be on the play with Caracas or some way to ramp out Thalia. And that's pretty much the only way. Well, Thalia doesn't even really stop it, at, really, at all. Yeah, it does if you're on the play and you get a Thalia out. Oh, and they don't get the opportunity one. to do like their Crow Mox Lion's Eye Diamond. You have to do the beating, though. You have to really get busy. Yeah, that's you need to get on it because they're they'll eventually just make a shitload of Garudas and smack you with a hasty army. Oh yeah, that deck's wild. That's I sweet. saw it. You were telling me about it, and then I was looking it up, and I was like, oh shit, it's literally just mana ramp and clone. Yeah. And just ways to, if it's not clones or mana ramp, it's ways to make your opponent not do things or win you the game on the spot. Yeah, and that might have been the most broken deck for Lion's Eye Diamond. No, Breach is still... No, I think that might I be saying, better no, than I think Breach is, I think you're right. I think it's probably better than... This might be the most busted Lion's Eye Diamond deck I've, I've ever seen, at least in... Because it doesn't matter. You just play your other artifacts, crack your LED, they go to the graveyard, you discard your hand, and then you had your companion to bring it. Well, I, and I was watching because I I really like I liked this deck even though it's a Boston and obviously my deck can't beat it. Oh, it's uh, atrocious. Of, yeah, it's really bad matchup. Monstrosity. But I was watching. Uh, I believe it was Andrea Mangucci, the goat. He played this deck on a Channel Fireball video, and I don't remember which round it was, but he played against uh, Storm. And on the play in I believe game three. His opening hand was just like land, lotus petal, diamond, diamond, and just on the play went all of my zero mana artifacts, cast Garuda, you lose the game. That's not surprising because you're there's so many clones. You got the Dax duplicate, which gives it haste, but you generally don't need that. There's the phantasmal image, Phyrexian Metamorph. I mean, you could really play actual factual clone if you wanted to. I don't think they play... No, I don't. I mean, I don't think you even want it because just all the other ones are just better. Yeah, and then you get the hasty dudes, and you also get Restoration Angel, which is so sick. Oh right, because it it's a new Garuda. Yep. It might as well be a clone. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So we no longer have to worry too much about companions. So maybe finally we can have an episode where we don't bitch about it. Go back no. to Hogak. No, they're gonna. Yeah, no, something's gonna happen. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna continue complaining. They're going to make new and improved Hogak. Oh, God. What, with another <laughs> set that's coming out, they're just going to be like, oh, here's a standard legal version of Hogak that's just... It's, it's literally just going to say Hogak to... Hogak returned. And it's a sliver. <laughs> yeah, it's just literal Hogak text. Exact same everything, except for the creature type is 
just has sliver tacked onto the end. And all your slivers in your graveyard gain this ability. Gain Hogak. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right, I don't even want to think about that. Nope, that is the most miserable about her. But uh, let's move on to something a little bit more uh, pleasant. Let's talk about the new spell book that we also got this week. We did get a new spell book. Yeah, this time, instead of it being Jace or Gideon themed, it is our lovely fiery friend Chandra. I have some beef with it. Me too, big time. But let's talk about the cards real quick before we get into the things that we hate about it. Because there are also some things that I love about this. Yeah, there are two arts in particular that blow my fucking... Yeah, there's some good ones in here. But So the Chandra spellbook, just like the Gideon and the uh, Jace one, there are eight cards all kind of focused around Chandra the Planeswalker. Um, the eight cards in particular are Chandra, Torch of Defiance, Cathartic Reunion, Fiery Confluence, Past in Flames, Pyroblast, Pyromancer's Ascension, Rite of Flame, and Young Pyromancer. So let's talk about the positives before we get into the negatives. What's your favorite art from this collection? Uh, it's a, it's a toss-up. I think my favorite, though, is Past in Ooh. What's, okay, what was your other one? That one's more close. So I think Pyroblast is pretty cool, but I think Pyromancer Ascension is actually cooler. I th- and my that were those were my top two is Past in Flames and Pyromancers. I'm not saying that the the Pyroblast one is bad, but the Pyromancers Ascension art with like the fire tornado is yeah, so, so sick. Just fucking people up with it. And the Past in Flames, oh boy, yeah that that one is actually incredible. The art style is out of this freaking world. And in the background, you can see like young Chandra, uh, old Chandra, Jaya. That's Jaya. Oh. And, like, her mom and her father back behind her. So, like, all, like, pseudo-dead versions. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, dead people. That's pretty sick. Just with the context of the card. Also, another huge plus about this. This is going to be the first time that people can receive Fiery Confluence in foil. Really? Yep, because it was only previously printed in uh, Commander deck. Did not know that. Yep, so for all of the cube aficionados out there, because Fiery Confluence is a busted card in cube... Yeah, it's real good. Uh-huh. This is going to be the first time that you get to jam a foil Fiery Confluence uh, in your cube. And, like, there's yeah, Legacy really decks cool. that play Fiery Confluence, so this would be a cool way to, like, spice up your Legacy deck if you play, like, the Mono Red Prison or something like that. That'd be sick. Matt, are there any other positives? Um, a reprint on Rite of Flame, I guess. Sure. I mean, also, this... It was, it's not, like, super expensive. None of these cards are ridiculously expensive. You just get a fancy new border. It's I mean, fire. the border is slick. With the fire at the bottom, the border is tight. Also, can we just talk about the fact that this is just like most of this spellbook is degenerate combo cards, like dot deck, like Cathartic Reunion, very popular in Dread, which is degenerate. Pass and Flames, Storm card. Pyromancer Ascension, Storm card. Rite of Flames, Storm card. I mean, even to the point of Young Pyromancer, when has somebody ever done something not degenerate with a Young Pyromancer? Well, it's actually not degenerate. You're just playing a Pyromancer and then killing them with one ones. Yeah, one ones that you made all in one turn after casting a bunch of rituals and dumb shit. <laughs> no, you don't play ritual, Young Peasy. Yeah, you just play a, just a bunch of dumb free spells. Yeah. So also still degenerate. Is it though? Now, yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's not as degenerate as, like, Rite of Flames and Past in Flames. Yeah, definitely, definitely not that There's tears that of degeneracy with this. But now we can talk about the things we don't love about that. And, I mean, these are kind of minor gripes. No, fuck that. The one is a major gripe, and I'm really kind of bummed about it. 
and this was the first thing that you brought up when you looked at it, and I was shocked that, one, you recognized, and two, that you were as outspokenly disappointed as I was. But we're talking about the fact that three of these cards just have the same art as the original version. Yeah, just slightly different borders. Yeah, just the different border. And we're talking about specifically Chandra Torture Defiance, Cathartic Reunion, and Young Pyroman. Those all have the arts that were printed originally on the cards. Cathartic Reunion, I get. It's Chandra and her mom. It's like a touching moment in the story. Like, that is an important card. They kind of spiced it up a bit. Never knew that. Yeah, that's like a very touching moment in that Kaladesh storyline. Look at that. I'm luring all over the place today. You are. You went deep earlier. You're learning me some some lore. But can, like, we also talk about the fact that Young Pyromancer has the exact same fucking art for no goddamn reason? That would have been cool for them to mix that up. Like, do, like, a, like a Young Chandra version of Young Pyromancer. Like, they could have done the back in time, like, the... Uh, like the flip planeswalker version of Chandra, how it's like a really young version of her. They could have done that and it would have been spectacular and it would have fit so well in this. A little insight into Chandra's previous life. Like the Rite of Flames is even still like the younger Chandra. Young Pyromancer is just the dickhead from normal Young Pyromancer. Yeah, I don't even know what that art actually. That's supposed to be Chandra. No, it's definitely not Chandra. It's oh, a no, guy. It's, yeah, it's a guy. So it's just some dickhead just... He's like, maybe, oh, hi, guys. I'm, I'm now in the Chandra spell book, even though I have nothing they to do are, with it. Maybe they are a student Chandra. Just make it Chandra. It's her spell book. Yeah. Or her teaching the young pyromancer, you know, something. Yeah, they could have done, like, a cool little moment, even though it's not in the lore at all. They could have done, like, a cool little moment where Chandra's, like, with, a like, a younger pyromancer. Like, maybe you could say a young pyromancer. And she's just, like... Like, showing them how to, like, manifest fire. I out see of what you did there. Or something. A young pyromancer. Yeah, like, a, not not an old pyromancer. Or, I like, not you. a seasoned one. <laughs> God damn it. That was touche. Yeah. Not even mad about that one. Good. <laughs> yeah, not a seasoned pyromancer. Just a young one. Like, her just, like, with a young pyromancer. And you could have even done, like, a cool little nod to the original. And the younger one just being this twat. Just put Chandra on the art. It's her spell book, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, one of the most important characters in Magic, and you just leave her out of an entire card in her own spellbook? Get out of here! Because all of the other uh, spellbooks, so the Gideon and the Jace one, they all do have a redundant art in them. And all of them... Repetitive and redundant. They're repetitive and redundant. Cart kiosk. Cart kiosk. Um, they all have the, the Planeswalker that's in the set. Like, so the Gideon one has Gideon Jura. Uh, the, the Jace one has Jace's Bellerin. Yeah, Jace Bellerin. OG Chase. Yeah, they went back to like the original one, except for this one they didn't. They did Torture Defiance, which sure, which I'm happy with because that's the it's most probably the Chandra. yeah, it's the best one, isn't it? Oh yeah, I think by a mile. So like, sure, they should have kept that one the same just to keep keep it themey across the spell books. You gotta keep it themey. Yeah, if but you're gonna do one thing in life, keeping keep it, it fucking. Themey. But yeah, the the cathartic reunion and the young peasy not having new art, kind of a bummer. And yeah, a little bit. It's not the worst thing, but. It is the worst. Can I tell you something else that also isn't the worst thing, but it's going to irritate you knowing this is going to irritate you to no end. In the, I don't know if I want to know. Oh, I'm going to tell you anyway. Mm. In the Chandra spellbook, they reprinted Pyro Black. In the Jace spellbook, they reprinted Blue Elemental Blast. Oh, that kind of fucks. Oh, oh that's like so that. obnoxious, isn't it? So, Red Elemental Blast and Blue Elemental is the, the cycle from Alpha 
beta unlimited revised and then what ultimate masters i think so, and then or masters there's, there's 25 also and pyroblast and hydro blast and hydro blast and those were the ultimate right are those the master 25 those one? Are ice age yeah but they did do a recent reprint. yeah yeah i don't know when they reprinted on it well they were but they, they that bugs me blew it so hard didn't i tell you it was going to annoy you to no end even though it's you the smallest did. little detail you did, but that's something that would bug me. Yeah, and it bugs me too. Because the cards are very, very similar. Very similar. Why not just just do the uh, the Red Elemental Blast? Why don't you just do that one? I don't know, but I don't like it. I had to had to do Pyroblast. Ugh. I really wish you have told me that. That's gonna irk me for the rest of the. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be tossing and turning in your bed tonight, being like, "Oh, why didn't they fucking do Reb instead of Pyroblast?" Wake up screaming. Yeah, and your wife's going to be like, what happened? And she's working. Gonna be sobbing and just being like, oh, they didn't do REB. And she's going to be like, no, wizards can't hurt you anymore. She's working. So Ollie will look at me and Finn will be like, hey, jackass, go back to sleep. And your dogs are like, yeah, fucking asshole. Why did you wake us up? You woke us up for what? They're What's a bite red me. elemental blast, dude? Bite me on the kneecaps. Uh, so... Give this, we're going to start doing this, I think. With every new release of something, you and I, were going to grade it on a scale of 1 to 10. Matt, grade for me, in its entirety, the Chandra spell. About a 6. I like that. I think I was going and to I say... And have, I have a good reasoning behind it. I was going to say a 6.3. Behind the 6. Um, none of these are, like, super expensive or chase rares. Or chase cards, which I don't think any of the spell books have been. No, not. I mean, the foil versions of some of them, yeah. And don't get me wrong, the foil versions are probably going to look fucking incredible. Oh, my goodness. I can only imagine how some of these, especially with fire, fire in foils has always looked awesome. That's because it's super bright and the Vibrant. background colors are generally dark. Like the yeah. Pyromancer's Ascension and that Past in Flames is probably going to look. Oh, it's going to look gorgeous. But that's that's my my six because these are all pretty cool. I've always kind of um, gets new art out there for people who are into that, or in some cases better art like Past in Flames. I really, you know me, I'm a very big, big fan. Guy, but you of, like the original art. I like the original art, even sometimes if it's worst or worse. Um, You'll still choose the original just because of the original factor. Yeah, but the this new art for the Past in Flames. Um, puts the Innistrad version to shame, and it really just shits on the modern master. Mm-hmm. It's way better. It's very, very good. Now, my 6.3, similar reasons to you, where it's just like these spell books, reprinting cards with different art, always good. More cards, different art, never a bad thing. It yeah, loses Commander, points. Cube. Yeah, for sure. Just being able to just make your deck more unique, it's always going to be a plot. It yeah. loses points in the fact that not all of the arts are new. They could have done better with that. Um, and like you said, some of these cards aren't necessarily like chase cards, which you can't really pack chase cards in these because then they'll just be like a million dollars on the secondary market and that sucks. I do think the Fiery Confluence, especially the foil, is going to be a gazillion dollars. Which one? Fiery Confluence? Confluence, yep. Why? Just because of Cube? Yeah, just because like it's the first time a very, very, very good card is printed in foil. I can see that. And like, just think about other cards that like have a premium version that really only see play in like cubes or commander or something like that. Like those cards still fetch a pretty penny. Yeah. This just falls into that category. Could no, be that's better, fair. But uh, still, I think 
five as an average thing that we're just like, meh, shrug. Anything above that is probably pretty good. We're big, we're big hardos about stuff like this, so our, our grading scale it reflects that. Yeah, it's just I wing it. Well, Matt, how do you feel about moving into uh, some teasers? I can get behind that. Not going to tease you anymore. We're going to talk about Mr. Mark Rosewater's blog post where he teased some concepts about a upcoming release, which is Corset 2021. Yeah, this was pretty cool. I saw this like earlier in the week, and I didn't really think much of it. At first, I kind of thought it was just him like trolling people. But then I was talking to you, and you're like, nope, that's something that's actually happening. And I was like, oh, yeah. no shit. Yeah, that's, that's a real deal thing. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'll let you go ahead and uh, go ahead and explain it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the way that he did this is really, really cool. So what uh, what Marrow did was he did a blog post on his on his little blog, Blogatog, where he listed a couple bullet points of uh, new card concepts that will be in Corset 2021, which is right around the corner. Like, spoiler season is starting. So he gave us a little teaser about some new card concepts that are coming up and also some pretty cool reprints that are going to be happening in Corset 2020. And, oh, this got some speculating going in our Discord. Shout out Fetch and Shock Discord. Love every single one of you. Shameless plug. You know, just got to show love to the Discord members, right? Yeah, they're in there a lot. They're another tier of human beings. I hop in there whenever I can. Let's talk about some of these little teasers real quick. Especially the... uh, the new cards that are not going to be uh, reprint. The first one out of this list that popped out to me was a plus one, plus one tribal Lord for a creature type that has never had one. I saw the, the fungus. No, the sapperling. No, both of those have Lords. I would say that those definitely have Lords. My initial thought was like maybe giants. And then I looked up giants have a Lord. I was like, maybe snakes looked up. Snakes have a Lord. Giants have a Lord. Yeah, it's plus two, plus two. So maybe this still falls is. into the category. It's a giant. Yeah, it's uh, it's from a commander set. It's giants you control have a pl- get plus two, plus two. <laughs> it's just wild. Well, what? Let, there's a shitload of tribes. All of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head have a lord. Maybe constructs. The constructs have semi lord, but it's not just construct. It's artifact creature. Yeah, so you almost have to have like a specific creature type. Um, the one that I saw in the Discord. Uh, was Dennis. He said Hydras. Ooh. And how freaking cool would that be? Hydras don't have a lore. Typical creature type coming out of uh, corsets. We've seen a ton of Hydras in corsets. Yeah, that's where a lot of them, that and commanders, where they normally come from. Yeah. Unless, like, the plane that we're on specifically has some tie to a Hydra, like Theros. But, I mean, that's just, like, the best guess I've heard so far. There's a couple other ones that people have speculated on. That is just such a good one, and it's going to be cool to see what it actually is. Because when we see it, we're going to be like, oh, fuck, of course it was, fuck, like, Kiskins or whatever it is. I think Kiskins have a lot, but you know what I mean. And it's an already existing creature type. They're not making something new. That really wouldn't be that hard to figure out. Which Especially tri- because it like, says... You literally that- a quick Google search, like, what MTG creature, MTG creature lord. And it'll probably bring up someone created a list a long time ago. I just, I'm very excited to see what it is. Another one that sparked my interest that got a lot of people talking was a card that uses a non-evergreen name ability over 20 years old. People were tripping over this, saying like phasing. I know you mentioned phasing. Banding. Yeah, so go back 2000 and go from 1994 to 2093 to uh, 
2000 and figure out what the keyword evergreen abilities are. There's a and, ton of them, man. Uh, there's probably less than there are from 20, 2000 to 2020. Jesus oh, Christ, yeah, man. 2000 was 20 years ago. Christ. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, how does that make you feel? Old. Yeah, same. <laughs> Kids that were born in the year 2000 or 20 years old. Let that sink in for... Oh, trust me. I have already contemplated my mortality multiple times. Derailed. Go ahead. Scary stuff. World. <laughs> but yeah, phasing. I mean, phasing would be fine, I guess. Um, no, phasing is terrible. Yeah, phasing sucks. You're right. I want horsemanship so bad. <laughs> that would actually be a pretty good one because that's basically just... It's like shadow. It's like shadow that you can block non-shadow. It's flying. Flying that can't be blocked if flying creature. Yeah, pretty cool. I like And it's actually probably better because outside of like outside of like earthquake and hurricane you really can't deal with it all that well yeah 100 percent. also horsemanship is just such an intuitive mechanic like it just makes sense it's not like it's not like banding which is impossible to grasp do you think they'd bring back shadow Uh, i don't i don't think that yeah it makes for some well it's basically like they can only be blocked by creatures shadow yeah we'll also think about how abysmal phasing is as far as like a rules interaction like phasing is not a very intuitive mechanic no phasing's terrible but that's what i was saying about shadow it's kind of something i could see them doing yeah a little bit more intuitive definitely more intuitive than phasing another mm-hmm. one that had a lot of people talking though to move away from the new mechanic one uh, a non-evergreen enchantment subtype return what we were talking about this the other day tribal tribal is a good one you said tribal and i was like fuck that's a brilliant one you mine, said the Hodens or Hondas. Mine was Hondans. The Hondas, the Honda Civics of the... Or the Shrines. The Shrine cycle, yeah, Shrine is the Shrine Champions. is the subtype. And that is, yeah, that's from Champions of Kamigawa. And, like, the way those ones work is... Get a benefit for having more Shrines. Multiple versions of them, and they're all legendary. My thing with that was, they just released those into uh, Magic Arena. Like, they just reprinted them for historic anthologies into Magic Arena. Why would they have done that? They didn't just throw random Kamigawa cards in there for nothing. I feel like that is just a dead giveaway that they're printing more shrines. And did you say they were printed like an evergreen that has been printed or a new one? It is a returning. Oh, okay. So something that already exists. Yes. It, yeah, a non-evergreen enchantment subtype returns. So it's some, so it's not like a new thing that we're just totally off base. We have no idea. Because my other thought was layers, but that's a land. Yeah. And, like, world, but they just are ratted world to just not exist anymore. Yeah, those get, like, Concordant Crossroads, uh, The Abyss. The Abyss is a good one. Um, Land's Edge, Land Tax. Yeah, those are technically world enchantments, but they're just also just enchantments now. They're just, they just read the way that they work, regardless of what you put world or enchantment on it. Or not. But, it, I mean, but again, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple other ones in this category of new cards that are either... Not, we don't have really enough to speculate or just like not worth speculating on. Um, a card with 31 different options. Uh, some some math wizards out there I saw on the internet uh, pulled together some numbers. And the one that I saw that was probably most likely is a card with five separate options that you can choose any number of those options except for none of them. So that math works out that that has 31 options on the card. So it's kind of like, it'll be kind of like a uh, cryptic command kind of deal. That makes like, sense. Way different. I'm assuming that's probably going to be like a five color card, like a Wooberg card 
that has one option for each color, and then like you have to choose at least one. I could see that. That's just where my brain's at. And when when we actually do see these cards, we get to we have somebody has to come back and uh, tell us whether we were wrong or right, and either shame us or praise us. One of the two. I'm gonna lean towards shame. Yeah, I would assume so. Except for I'm a hundred percent right that we're getting horsemanship back, and I'm a hundred percent right that we're getting the shrines, and also I, I'm a hundred percent right on the uh, the one that's a whooper card with five options. I'm a thousand percent right on. So confident. So right on pretty much all of them so far. <laughs> yeah, except for except for the the plus one plus one tribal one. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I'm also not a hundred percent sure on the uh, the one that says we are getting a character with a vanguard card and a legendary creature. We're getting a second copy of a legendary creature of a card of that that fits that description. Well, what there was Karn. Well, I, uh, Mirari. I did a shitload of research on this, and by shitload I mean I looked up all the Vanguard cards and then I saw if how many legendaries each of them had. Um, it turns out a vast majority, like all but five of the Vanguard cards, fall into this category. That <laughs> sounds about right. Nuts. It's so nuts. So it's pretty hard to speculate on this one. Also, an aura inspired by a cycle from Urza's Saga. <laughs> Me and Matt were talking about this before uh, we recorded earlier this week. Uh, Urza's Saga has like seven cycles, and none of them are particularly good, so I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with this. Unless they just straight up put, like, Talarian Academy on an enchantment. <laughs> yeah, that would be disgusting, wouldn't it? Yeah, like... Like or like five green, uh, enchant creature turns the creature into Gaia's Cradle. Wouldn't be that good. I guess no, they but never I... said that they would be good cards. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. That's that's the one thing about this. People were reading into this just like, oh, they're gonna create something that you like totally busted and stuff. I'm like, no. Some of these cards are probably gonna be shit and garbage. Yeah. Just a good mix of things to tease, I guess. Yeah. Like the fact that a card exists that has new things on it doesn't make it a good card. Very very true. And if you want an entire list of the rest of these, because we're not going to cover all of them. Those uh, are just kind of some of the highlights. Yeah, you can find them on Mark Rosewater's blog, Blogatog. If you just search Blogatog on Google, it'll come up. That's where I found it. I found uh, it through you. Yep, you're welcome. That was the list of uh, new cards, but he also has a second portion of it, talking about reprints. Because everybody knows it wouldn't be a core set without a ton of reprints. Core sets were generally used to fix standard um, but this one, I think, is much more fun to speculate on because we know that these cards already exist. So the first one of these is a popular character first introduced in Flavor Text. Around the internet, people are saying that uh, this has a good chance of being Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Karn was in there as well. I don't know if Karn was originally... Oh, originally. Oh. It was originally introduced in Flavor Text. I don't think that's a thing. I think Karn just existed as a card. That but is possible. Ugin, Ugin for sure was initially uh, introduced in Flavor Text. It was uh, what Ghost Flame, right? The three mana colorless lightning bolt. I don't know. It's yeah, that, I mean, is that the card? Is that what it's called? I don't know. There's a three mana. It's an old card. It's three mana. There are three colorless mana, and it's just lightning bolt text. Ugin was initially referenced on that card, and that was the first time anybody's ever heard because i remember that being a big deal when they first printed ugin the spirit dragon no shit did not know that i'm the magic historian apparently uh the next one is a french vanilla mythic rare and first of all for people who are not familiar french vanilla just means a creature that only has keyword ability like evergreen keywords so like first strike vigilance stuff like that 
the first one that popped into mind and the one of my favorite French vanilla cards of all time, Bane Slayer. Uh, Bane Slayer is a good fucking card. Yeah, and also uh, Mythic Rare, which is important to note because it is specifically a Mythic Rare. Yeah, I would like a, I would like to see Bane Slayer Angel. I mean, I think that card is fine for standard. It's not like it changes modern or anything. No, it doesn't. It's literally standard. I don't know if it's legal and historic or, or not historic. Uh, Pioneer. Well, the thing the thing is, there's the uh, other five mana angel that has very similar text that's legal in that format from uh, Dominaria. The Lord, the Angel Lord. Oh, it begins with a D. What is her name? But it's basically Baneslayer Angel, and she's very, very good. So, like, it's proven that that card's not too good for standard. No, it's actually very good for that stuff. I think so, too. Um, the next one is a popular aura. Lyra Dawnbringer. Oh, there you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lyra. I knew it. I, that's where the D me. came from, Dawnbringer. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, the next one is a popular aura that started as part of a cycle. Matt, did you have any guesses on this one? A popular card that began as a cycle. Or what... that started as part of a cycle. Because I already have my speculation on Yeah, I know yours, and I don't want to steal yours, and I don't really have any. <laughs> then I'll just, I'll, I'll say mine, and I'll let you think about yours. I think it's going to be Rancor. I mean, Rancor is yeah, very, very good, but is it good... too good for standard? No way. No, not a chance. And Rancor's sick. And, like, that's a really cool card that hasn't seen a printing in a long time. It'd be cool to get a newer audience onto how good rancor is i'm gonna see when i think it was printed recently might have just been in a core so 2013 core set eternal masters 2013 rancor is printed yeah core set 2013 oh that's only like eternal masters explorers of ixalan masters 25 yeah not in the standard since 2013 or i guess 2012 because that was they're always printed the year before yeah oh so it's only been eight years since it's been in the standard only. Oh, this this episode, the boys realize that they're old. Fuck. Yeah, real, real old. Did, Matt, did you think of any possible auras? I have no idea, to be honest with you. Yeah, the part, the, the Maybe part like, of a cycle is awkward. Maybe the auras is that it throws me. Yeah. Um, giant, or not giant growth, there, what, what is the one? Oh, I can't remember. Because I think giant growth you, is also in the set, but for another reason. You talking about uh, Briar Shield? There we go. Was that a part of a cycle? I don't know. I'm happy that I knew exactly what you were. That's from Weatherlight. Yep, correct. I think that was might have been a cycle. I'm not sure. Couldn't tell you. But anyway, um, a card with unique protection is the next one. What do you have about this one? So is it just like, I thought they were done with the protection. Could be like Emrakul. Oh, boy. that's That has protection from uh, a lot of things, bud. Instance. Or it could be fucking... Uh, or you're talking about original Emrakul or the new... OG. Emrakul. OG Emrakul. Protection from colored spells. I thought it was protection from instance. Or is it no, just colored? No, the new one is protection from instance. Or it could be progenitus because that was an old standard where progenitus and Baneslayer... Protection from everything. ...faced off a lot, and it turns out that Baneslayer can actually race a progenitus. Progenitus. Yep, turns out. Um, what do you think about, like, Etch Champion? In standard? I mean, that I mean, does have a unique probably be right? fine, yeah. Yeah, that might be a decent one. We're probably way overthinking this, and it's just like... A card that has protection from, like, creatures or something. White Knight. Or what's the uh, aura that has protection, that gives uh, protection from creatures? And plus on plus on for each enchantment. Could be Flickering Ward. What the hell is that? So when it comes into play, it choose a color. It's one white enchant creature. Uh, the creature has protection from the chosen color. And then for a white, you can return it to your hand. Oh, that's kind of cute. Huh. This one's going to be a weird one. It's also, when we see it, 
this is going to be one of the ones that we're racking our brains about now. And then we see we're going to be like, fucking, of course it was that card. But next up, we have two cards played in tournaments that have been reprinted over 20 times with at least five different pieces of art. (laughs) On the internet, people were hard speculating that we're getting Lightning Bolt in Corset 2021. I think that is wild. I could see it. Um, Birds actually only has four arts. So it cannot be Birds of Paradise. Uh, Five if you count a promo, I guess. Oh, we're counting that promo. Birds is now on the speculation train. So we can, can we get Bird and Bolt? I think so you have to can... put them together, right? I you mean, bolt if they bird. do one, they have to do the other. But yeah, I also I'm sure there's a lot, think it's a gonna be lot either. of those that uh, fit that criteria. I think Wizards has just tried so hard to avoid printing Lightning Bolt, whether it's like Lightning Strike or the one, the Wizards, one Wizards Lightning, or uh, what's the one from Return spectacle to Return to Ravnica? One. Talking about Spectacle. Yep, yep, yep. Light up the stage? No, not light up the stage. Wow, we're shit with card names today. Apparently. I got a little yeah. more stuff, but card names, I'm done. They've tried so hard and then for to not it's print one. Lightning. They put so much effort into not printing it for them just to be like, oh, here's, oh, yeah, here here's fucking Lightning Bolt. Here's Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Um, I could I could see it being Negate. That seems like an easy, like, duh. Yeah, obviously it could be Negate. Yeah, there's a yeah. good amount of art for that one. Oh my god, there's a ton of them. And it's been reprinted a gazillion times. I also think... Maybe like Counterspell. Oh, it's definitely not Counterspell. Come on now. It could be, though. That's my point. It easily could be. Is Counterspell printed that many times? Over 20 times? Go to the interwebs. I think it's going to be my two guesses. And again, if we're going off of the things that I said before, all of my guesses are going to be 100% correct. So don't even bother thinking about anything else. Uh, I think it's going to be Negate and Giant Growth. Those are my 20, two. 26 times. Oh, Counterspell so it, has been reprinted. It can be Counterspell. If it's Lightning Bolt and Counterspell, I'm quitting. I'll play Standard. Yeah. You heard it here first. Seems like a pretty brutal Standard format. It is Standard format that's just better than Modern. That's that so gross. That would also put, it, put Counterspell in Modern. I suppose. But if you just could, if you kept that Standard isolated outside of Modern and just put Counterspell in it and Lightning Bolt, like there's a chance that some of these decks are just better than Modern decks. No. Probably not. I don't know. Standard's getting out of hand, man. Yeah, I don't think Counterspell and Lightning Bolt makes it better than Modern. I'm saying take all of the current sets that are legal and Standard, and you're not allowed to play any of those cards in Modern, and you could only play a Standard deck versus that Modern prior to all these cards being printed. It's like you don't get any of the Companions. You don't get any of the other shenanigans. I don't, that's a, that's a, I would like to see those games. The only real deficit is like mana fixing with Fetchlands. But that's you've got a big, big thing, though. That's a big ask. I, I still think the modern the card pool is just massive. But the fact that right now we're even thinking about it being like close is I'm no, I'm not what? thinking about it. It just wouldn't. Oh, I think it's much closer than you're than you're giving it credit. I don't think that it would be. But I'm saying those two cards are giant growth and negate. And we're just gonna get totally debated into thinking that it's like, oh, these these really good powerful magic cards and we're just being like counterspell yeah. and a okay combat trick and limited. Yeah, I could see that as well. But we have a couple more uh, that we'll cover quick. Um, a card that that has never previously appeared in a premier set. This one, I genuinely have no clue. Yeah, that one's up in the air. People were saying Grim Tutor, and I'm get like, the fuck out of here! Whoa, get, what are you doing? No way, that one's too much. That is where I draw the line. It's not on the reserve list, is it? No, it's not. It, it could be. Card. 
It was a what? A comic book card, wasn't it? Uh, the promo it has a star. I think it's a starter. Like a oh, starter. That could be too. I don't know. That just seems too good. I don't think it would be. You remember a time where Diabolic Tutor was the only one that they were going to put in standard? The five mana common one? Four mana uncommon. Or four mana common. Or uncommon. That was close. Yeah, and that's terrible. Three mana and losing. Three mana is a lot. Three especially mana right now. On. Good luck playing paying playing that and then facing your mono red opponent. Well, here's the thing, dude. Uh, you can just uh, instead of doing that, you could just cast your you could just get your companion because your companion is probably better than whatever you're going to try to do with that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, that's just an assumption, but it's a good I, assumption. It's good. I now this next one, I did the research, extensive research, and by extensive research, I mean going on Scryfall and searching these specific numbers. Uh, the next one is a card that has never been reprinted before, which has a 2, 3, 5, and 6 all appearing on the card. So our and, initial was the, uh, what's uh, it called, the the level up. Yes. Um, I think there's only, there's really only one option for it. And by think, I mean, uh, there's really only one option. And it is Lighthouse Chronologist. Good old rock star Lighthouse Chronologist. I do love me a Lighthouse Chronologist because everything else uh, is either an unset card or it has been reprinted unless scryfall is doing me dirty the only card in this category that would actually uh, be really funny is lighthouse chronologist see i'm just getting debated and they're just putting like uh, jack in the mocks <laughs> into standard from <laughs> from That'd one of the actually really funny set. oh i would love that so much urza <laughs> science fair project just gets printed in standard turns the entire world upside down yeah just for the hell of it <laughs> But yeah, Lighthouse Chronologist, like Matt said, it's a level-up guy. Um, for one in the blue, you get a 1-3, but it has level-up 1. Um, and level-up is you pay the mana. Uh, you can only do it at sorcery speed, but you pay mana, and you put a level-up counter on it. Also, shout-out to previous thing. I believe the level-up is a special action, does not use the stack. Was Figure of Destiny ever reprinted? Yes. Okay, never mind. I don't think there's a five in there, though, now that I think about there it. There is not. It goes right from that, from four to six. Or no, it, does it top out at four? It goes one, two, four? I think it's one, two, or it starts as a one, one, then a two, two, four, four, and then a six, six, I believe? Or an eight, I don't know. But a Lighthouse Chronologist is, like I said, uh, it's a one, three, but for one blue, you can level it up. Uh, level four to six, it's a two, four. And at level 7, it's a 3-5 that says at the beginning of each end step, if it's not your turn, just take another one. In Figure of Destiny, was printed a metric ton of times. And also, um, Figure isn't a level-up card. It's different. It goes from a 1-1 to a 2-2 to a 4-4 to an 8-8. 8-8. I thought that, but I wasn't yeah. 100% positive. It goes, <laughs> it goes from a 4-4 spirit to an 8-8 spirit warrior avatar with flying and first strike. Seems pretty good. Uh-huh. Figure was sick, man. I love figure destiny. Yeah, limited. That thing was like, oh, I have four. Oh, it's a house. Sure, I'll dump it. In. Yeah, I love that. The first uh, little fun fact, we're going back in time. Um, that was a great time. Thank you. Uh, the first time I ever played with figure destiny was from Theros because it came out in the dual deck hero versus monsters. And everybody was losing their mind that Figure of Destiny was printed in that. And I'm like, what the fuck is Figure of Destiny? Opened it up and saw it and was just like, fuck, yeah, this card is sick. That's cool design. It's pretty yeah. much level up. It's pre-level up, I believe, wasn't it? Um, yeah, It was even tied. 
Yes. So, and what yes. level up was World Wake? Uh, the World Wake or Zendikar? Yes, it's Zendikar block. Yeah, I'm not positive exactly which set it came out of. But yeah, turns it so yeah, figure destiny. That was the first time I ever dealt with it. Was the uh, dual deck heroes versus monsters? And even back then, I was a uh, I was particularly affectionate towards the uh, aggressive the heroes. Players. Yeah, shocker. So some things don't change. Got a lane, stay in it. Damn straight. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It broke. <laughs> in legacy, at least. Yeah. Um, the next one is a human monk. Again, extensive research was done, and I. Turns out there are a metric ton of human monks in Mac. Yeah, um, there are quite a few and good ones, and also some Nazis. Oh, there are some very bad ones, but there are probably some the best ones. So Humble Defector. One. <laughs> Humble Defector is that what you're calling the number one one? Uh, absolutely. Over uh, Monastery Mentor, right? Over Monastery Mentor. I love that. A little bit of Humble Defector action. You know what? Just draw. Your, I'm going to draw my two cards, and then you know what? You can have it. You can draw your I don't cards. want this no more. You can have them cards. Also, notable monks that are also humans. Monastery Swift Spear, pretty good card. Mantis yes, he's Rider. a fair amount of play. Mantis Rider, pretty Did good card. I know that was a human monk. Yep, it is a human monk because, the you see, the Mantis, right? That's not the creature we're talking about. We're talking about the Rider of the Mantis. That's the Kung Fu. Yeah, hi-ya. Speaking of human monks, Narset, the creature, human monk. Did not know that. I mean, t- every single, like, human creature in white, in, in Collins block, were all human monks. <laughs> every single one of them. So, a fair I guess that's not true. Some of them were warriors, but the, a vast majority were monks. And then the last one, which is a fucking mystery, and I only know it's a mystery because I did extensive research on it, um, is a card from Time Spiral, the time-shifted sheet. That is huh. a... Laundry list. Of yeah, that was kind of wild. When I looked through the list, the one that jumped out to me is just like I could see this being printed in standard and being played. Is uh, Fiery Justice the Naya three color that deals five damage to any number of targets? Any number of targets. Choose. I could see you, that being printed and being fine. Yeah, I think that's just slow. Yeah, I think you're and right. It might be good for standard. I just don't yep. know. Yeah, it's it's very possible that, that is just a playable card in standard. It might be too slow for standard, honestly. It's obviously not good enough for modern because it play like you can play it in modern. It used to be. Yeah, back in the day. Hoo wee! Like the Zudax. Oh yeah, that was their bread and butter. Yeah, that was a sick. That maneuver. was like their top end. Uh huh. If you really want to go and look at the time shifted sheet and look through all like seventy cards and try to figure out which one. I did not have the patience. I got through like half of the list and was just like, oh, I can't look at any more bad cards. I am so done with this. What was the Goblin Steamfitter or Steamfitter boss that makes uh, 01 Riggers, I believe, or 11 Riggers? Oh, see, that is a different sheet, bud. Oh. You're thinking, uh, like, those are the, not Time Spiral, what's the other set? The one that you're talking about, the one with like Tarmogoyfin. Future Sight. That's future sight. We're talking about time spiral because I thought mm. people were being like, here we go, Tarmogoyf. I'm like, mm, that's the wrong set, champ. I like where your head's at, and I think Tarmogoyf would be a good standard card. I mean, and by good, I mean good to reprint, uh, not particularly good in standard. Yeah, I think it would be perfectly fine. It's just a vanilla 4-5 for 2. You think it gets that big in standard? Cycling. Oh, good point. Really good point. There you go. You're using your noodle. You're using that old noggin on my shoulders. But... With that, that concludes the uh, Rosewater teasers for Corset 2021. I, for one, am very excited to see 
what this set has in store. One, I could use a good spoiler season that isn't riddled with me trying to figure out how the mechanics are going to fucking work. Because that was pretty much all Layer of Behemoths was. Layer, the Ikoria? Yeah, it was just me, like, thinking of... Yeah, okay, Mutate, companion, was, Mutate was tricky. Yeah, Companion's just like, oh, how is this going to work in the game? Like, is this going to be boss? It turns out, yeah, it was. Like you said, Mutate was just like... How, I mean, in I get how the mechanic works, but in gameplay, how is this going to function? Core sets are typically a little bit more straightforward, so, like, we can just gauge the cards at face value. I'm yeah, excited. no disrespect, it's like the little kid sets, generally. I mean, initially, core sets were billed as, this is the set to get started with your magic journey. Like, learn the basics with the core sets, and then when you get into a specific set, like Akoria or theros then you got some other like shit that. to learn yeah then yeah then you can learn those mechanics in their own environment and then you build off of that and get into commander or modern or standard or whatever you get into after that point I, I mean daddy loves a good corset i'm never a fan of them really it's not like oh this set is ridiculous oh but, see, but here's, here's but the thing i have a rainy day to enjoy the sunny ones so yeah corsets have never blown my deck off my body but I've never like drafted a corset and been like, eh, this is awful. It's always just like, this yeah, is this is a draft format. They're pretty balanced. Yeah, they're they're milk toast. Like they're just like, I am playing draft. I'm not like doing anything crazy exciting. I'm just like drafting a very typical draft deck that is going to play normally, and I'm gonna have fun because I just enjoy drafting. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's always different. I don't think a corset's ever going to be somebody's favorite draft format, but nobody's ever going to look back and be like, wow, that corset was the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's just bland, generally. Yeah, pretty milk toast, but I'm fine with that. Sometimes you need a little palate cleanser before you move into, which is going to be Zendikar. Where they're just going to let shit fly. Yeah, where they're just going to fucking just melt our faces off with like one Eldrazi Titan, which is just an amalgamation of all three of the original ones. What's the uh, mechanic from Shadows of Meld? They're going to bring Meld into Return to Return to Zendikar, and they're going to have a Meld card, but instead of Judges being two cards, it's going to be three cards. It's going to be all three of the Titans flipped together, melded together, and it's going to be nuts. You think they're just going to go that wild? I mean, they haven't done anything in the past, like, two years, two and a half years, to make me think that they're not going to do something stupid. Just get wild with it? Yep. I can see it. Yeah, they're just going to go off the rails, which, that's fine. We're, we're taking this train off the rails, and I am cool with it. All aboard. I'd rather exciting magic than boring magic. Yeah, and like I've said before, it's not a bad thing they push the envelope. Yep, but we did talk about the teasers. Matt, we have two actual factual cards from Corset 2020 to talk about, or 2021. Yes, they were actually spoiled through the proper channels and not a leak that someone posted. Yeah, which some of them are... Because Wizards will ban you for that shit. Wizards will ban you for that, and uh, as much and we know Wizards is listening, so we will get the hammer immediately. It would be before this episode is even released, they would send me an email and said, like, hey, we, we, we're we tapping your, your microphone. We know that you talked about this. Uh, if you release this, you're going to Wizards Jail. Slap a gag Ask a Azkaban, that right? That's, that's Wizards Jail? Yes, obviously. A little bit of Harry Potter knowledge for you there, bud. Movie trivia. Podcast. What's nerdier, Harry Potter lore or Lord of the Rings lore? <laughs> Lord of the Rings lore. Okay. Hey, you know what? I can get down with that. <laughs> Let's talk about these cards real quick. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the go first, ahead. Continue. The first one, 
We got an, a, an enchantment, Matt, a red enchantment. It's called double vision. It is three and two red, again, for a enchantment. It says, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. It's pretty wild. I mean, this is going to be a pretty stellar commander card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, people are going to be I think really that's probably the only place that it sees play, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past something in standard to get this a little busted. Yeah, figure out the formula. Yeah, but uh, when you can only do it once a turn, and it's the very first thing you cast that turn, that really limits it. Kind of limits it, yeah. Big time. Like, but I mean, I could see you doing, like, just casting a draw spell and just getting two draws and that just being, like, okay. Or in Commander, you just, you know, playing your uh, Niv-Mizzet deck and then landing this and then just playing an instant spell like directly after you cast it and just going off. Because that is the cool thing that it you can do it after you play it if you have mana left over. Because it's your first instant or sorcery spell you cast each turn. As long as you didn't cast one before, you're good to go. Also good with uh, taking turns. Ah, that's, see, that's a recurring trend with these red enchantments that we're talking about. Yeah, it turns out that they're good with taking turns. Who would have I guess fi- Fires was a red enchantment. So we've seen red enchantments go bad in the past. I don't think this one's going to follow suit, but... Not nearly as bad if it does. I mean, this is probably going to be a cool card. We do ever play this in limited ever? No, probably not. Like I don't think I ever pack one pick one this. Not unless um, you have like ultimatums or something. Maybe, yeah, maybe if I see it like pack three and I'm already like deep into the red blue deck and I just have just insane number of instant and sorceries, which is like, oh, this could be a snowball if I land this enchantment that I scoop it up. But even at that point, I think I just take another busted blue or red card over top of this. Like a removal spell or something. Like the lightning bolt that they're going to print. Would <laughs> I'm taking lightning bolt over this every time. Double bolt, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could sick somebody with that? Okay. Nope. Now, yeah, now I'm on board. Six mana for six damage. Sign me up. It's a pretty good rate. It's not bad. I've seen worse. Yeah, for sure. The next one, though, I am very excited. Most because it's a white card. It is Mangara, the Diplomat. It is a legendary creature, human cleric. It is three... And one white for a 2-4. It has a lifelink and says, whenever an opponent attacks with a creature, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you or a planeswalker you control, draw a card. And whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. Did not know you liked white creature. Yeah, it's this new thing I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to break Try away to, from, you know, yeah. my, my normal traditions of liking non-white creatures. Hey, man. Gotta do what you gotta do. Mix it up. Keep it fresh. Uh, one, I love this because uh, Mangara, which for those of you who don't know, the Mangara already exists in Magic. Mangara of Concordia, I believe? It's not Concordia. Not Concordia, because that's from a It is a C, but I don't. it's not Concordia. It is Mangara of Karandor. That's a Lord of the Rings Halo? reference. <laughs> Mangara of Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Lord of the Rings in this episode. Hey, you're the one who started that. You're right. I'll take credit for it. But yeah, Mangara of Karandor, which for those of you who are unfamiliar... I have a question. Yep. Why the fuck did the eagles not just take the ring to the volcano? They do have the ability to fly. Because then you can't make six movies. Oh, that's true. That's true. You can't really make money off of uh, just a 30-minute sequence of a bird flying with a ring. Figured it out. Okay, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. This is good. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. 
Well, but the Eagles could have just taken it. <laughs> All right, last disruption for the next five minutes. Okay, cool. I, at least until I read original Mangara. So Mangara of Corondor, not Concordia, originally was, it was the founding father of Death and Taxes. The actual founding father? Yeah, 100%. This was the original card for Death and Taxes because the Death and Taxes originally just like Wastelands, Rashadon Ports, Caracas, and then Mangara because Mangara is three mana, one and two white for a 1-1 legendary creature. Um, and it says you tap it and you exile Mangara and target permanent. So what you would do is you would tap Mangara, exile one of your opponent's permanents, and then before the trigger resolves, bounce Mangara with Caracas and then just put it back onto the battlefield. And then just yeah, loop that on the so stack your opponent has nothing. Say, yeah, so you're using Wasteland to get rid of your opponent's lands, Rashad and Port to stifle their mana, and then Mangara to finish the job. Get rid of the rest of the... Yep. So we're finally seeing Mangara uh, in his his full form, and I love it. And this card is actually kind of good. Yeah, it's not bad. Like, this is an aggro deck's worst nightmare. Yeah, that puts a halt to attacks. Yeah, you just put out a bunch of, like, shitty two-power creatures, and then turn four, your opponent slams Mangara. That's a 2-4. It's impossible to kill. It's just going to block all of your shit. And then if you somehow attack or play more spells, your opponent's just value city, baby. I yeah, this thing is generally going to replace itself, I would think. At least. It, yeah, at very least. I mean, there's a chance that you just play it and then it just goes like, uh, uh, Doomblade it. Or Murderous Rider, because that's still in the format. I'm really shocked that card didn't see more play. I'm sure it will at some point, right? I just really wish Mangara didn't say two creatures and just said one i know that's a little bit aggressive but like it's yeah, white card that's draw. very that's i just quite aggressive better white card draw every other color just has better version or better card draw just give us this one it's a four mana creature it's only a two four like if you throw that text on it it doesn't make the card bust it just makes it very good yeah you might be right i can also see me building around this card building a commander deck and it being like a kind of group hug like, I cast this, you guys stay away from me. Uh, I'm going to pillow fort, and then I'm also just going to, like, pull some, like, diplomacy around the uh, the table. Like, this is a perfect commander for that style. Yeah, the uh, the police, commander police. Yeah, because you're still drawing cards if your opponents are casting multiple spells, which draws you into stuff from stopping them, because I'm assuming if they're casting multiple spells, they're getting pretty ahead on board. Yeah, because a lot of times they're casting more than one spell, huh, commander? That is true. I guess I also don't play that much. I mean, I also do love me a good mono white, like, decent card. The fact that this is a white mythic rare, and the other mythic rare is going to be Baneslayer Angel, uh, I'm still not sold this on the fact that white is great. Yeah, this is a mythic rare, That's which wild. pretty suspect, right? The lifelink, I think. Oh, lifelink. I mean, as much as we like shitting on the fact that white cards gain life, this is a really good card to have life. It just makes sense as far as the design aspect, right? Yeah, two fours big on the butt, so stops aggressive creatures and can help kind of stabilize. Yeah, gaining you that two life after getting your teeth kicked in for the first couple turns and just like also providing a pretty good wall to prevent you from continuing to get your teeth kicked in, pretty good. Yeah. I would like to see them have put like vigilance on him. I think that might have been a little bit over the top. Okay, then keep keep the two or more creatures thing. Give him lifelink and vigilance. Call it a day. Matt, let me push white cards. It's the only thing I want in Magic. You and fucking white cards, man. You need to figure something else out. I, I don't have anything else. It's the only thing I care about. White cards to... and lore. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, white cards and Lord of the Rings. 
God damn. Even Lord of the Rings today. Those are my only, only loves in life. That's sad, man. <laughs> That's really <laughs> sad. The heart wants what the heart wants, Matthew. Yeah, I can't argue. You gotta do what you gotta do. Oh, you know what I also love? I, I, I forgot. There's a third thing that I love. What is that? I love three mana spells. Ooh. So much. You did it. How's that for a segue? You did it. And what I'm referring to is our my segue into uh, our top five of the week. And funny enough, our top five was initially going to be a top three. It was, but we got abandoned for a good cause or good reason. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Corey. We were initially going to have Corey as a, as a super secret special guest this episode, but uh, life got in the way. But don't worry, Corey will be back very soon. I'm excited for that. So we bumped up our top five or our top three to a top five this week. And we are doing top five three mana things that we would rather do instead of paying the companion tax. Yeah. So basically Which our was top spot five, on perfect. So good for this episode, right? Because like fuck companions. Now that you have to pay for the tax, they're just that's that's old news. Ship that. Bring in the new hotness, aka old spells that we like to cast that just happen to cost the exact same uh, amount of mana that the companion tax is. So Matt, do you have any honorable mentions for your top five three mana spells? Yes, I have one that is... I only have one. You only have one? Well, that's fitting, because I only have two. Yeah, so one of mine, is the uh, honorable mention, my only honorable mention, is Recurring Nightmare. Ooh, that's a good one. Re- well, Recurring Nightmare is just like, a again, a solid cube card. Just like a good reanimation card. It doesn't really see as much play as like some of the cheaper versions, but it's a very, very good reanimation spell in cube. Yeah, it's just good all around. It's good in pre-modern too. Is it really? Yeah. Very neat. I like that. Well, Matt, my honorable mentions are uh, two white cards, if you can believe it. Um, O-Rings? No, it is Recruiter of the Guard. Oh, that is a three. Oh, I know you're number one. Do you know? Yes. God damn it. I think I, I think you I think you're right with what it is too, <laughs> motherfucker. Um but my other honor is uh Sanctum Both of which are in Death and Taxes. Yeah, shocker that those are cards that I like. The heart wants what the heart wants, Matt. We have way different lists, I guarantee it. Oh, I don't know if there's any overlap. There might be one card, maybe, but I doubt it. But how about you uh you lead us off? What is your number five? My number five is Doomsday. Ooh, a little three black action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our lists are very different. <laughs> yeah, I figured that they would. Yeah, I'm, I thought about Doomsday. It's just like, that is a very good card, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's on Matt's list. Not my style. That's right up my alley. Never played Doomsday, but... It's a very, very powerful will. magic card. You just take your library, uh, look look through it, you pick take five, five cards, cards yeah. and then just throw the rest of it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, I believe you actually exiled it. Yeah. Yes. So the most common win condition previously was Lab Man and either Gush and Ancestral or something like that. But now it is, uh, what's the name? The new Merfolk. Thassa's Oracle. Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, because Thassa's Oracle is just the better version of Laboratory Maniac, turns out. Yes, it is. So what is uh, your number five? My number five, I, I honestly thought that you're, you were going to guess this one as my, my number one. But I think you might have another one in mind. My number five is Spell Queller. Nope, definitely not what I thought your number one was. Mm, I love me some Spell And you know that I love me some Spell Queller. Yeah, anytime you have a chance to play Spell Queller, you're generally on top. Oh, man, Spell Queller is such a sick card. The, the good old counterspell creature. Oh, yeah. It slices, it dices, it does everything. Yeah, two, three. 
It's also kind of nice. Uh, when have I ever played it as a 2-3, though? It's usually, at the very least, 3-4. Uh, it's in the camp of the disruptive creatures that eventually will kill your opponent. Yo, yeah. Especially when you have other spirits on board that can make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Because you know what's better than a, a spell queller, Matt? A hexproof spell. Hexproof spell queller seems pretty good. Yo, yeah. My, uh, yes, we're going to throw Drog Skull Captain into this list, too. He uh, he falls into the same category as very good three-mana spirits for one, a white and a blue that I absolutely adore casting. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But Matt, you want me to, would you like to hear my number four? Yeah, let's rip it. Let's would you? It. Would you like to guess what color my number four is? Probably white. It is white. You're correct. It is Council's Judgment. That is three mana, huh? Oh, you better bet it is three mana. One and two white. You just get to uh, destroy target turn name Nemesis. And it feels very good when you get to do exactly that. It's pretty much one of the only cards that actually gets to destroy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in that category. Like Liliana falls into that. Are all of your cards white? No, not all of them are white. The next uh, two are actually not white. Okay, I'm going to go with my number four here. Uh, Let's hear it. Show and Tell. Show and Tell is three mana. That is 100% true. It's a very good one. Uh, three mana, cheat out of fatty. Yeah, you get to you do three mana, and you get to put in Emrakul on the battlefield, and I'll do three mana, and I will get a uh, Palace Jailer. How does that sound? Sounds pretty good. And then I'll just keep attacking you to death with a 2-2, two -two, and you'll die. Isn't... Oh, Palace Jailer is four mana. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, Palace Jailer is so... I've done that so many times, and it's so good. Or Containment like you just show and tell in your Those thing. Those are not three mana. I know, but you they're can't just like mention they, them. they just two. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about three non three nope, mana spells. Not this. at this time. <laughs> okay, that's please try again later. Right, well, what's your what's your uh, your number three? You can talk about another three mana spell. My number three three mana spell is Necropotent. Necro. Oh, I, another three black. Another three black. Do you sense a trend that mine are way more powerful than yours? <laughs> Council judgment can just deal with. Uh, a Necropotence pretty easily. Not when I draw 15 cards. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, you know, I can choose. Yeah, you gotta pick your battles. Yeah, super powerful, way too powerful. Yeah, way too good. That is, yeah, yeah that falls into the category of a card that is way, way, way too good. So what is your uh, number three three-mana spell? Well, there are two cards in my three-mana, or my three-slot that are functionally the same creature. It is... Deceiver Exarch and Pestermite. Ooh, those are good ones. Yes. Oh my goodness. Do I love those two little idiots. I've killed many a people with Deceiver Exarch. Yeah, a lot of them. Usually around 20 of them is the, is the, is the prime number. Generally about 20 million. See, but what if your opponent Actually, has... Actually, let's uh, go with 3 million. Oh, and then your opponent casts uh, Rakdos Charm and you take willing 3 to, million. Willing to take that risk. <laughs> God, that was such a fun time. But yeah, Deceiver Exarch and Pestermite. A nice little k -k 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 combination with uh, Splinter Twin and more recently Kiki Jiki. Kiki Jiki was printed before Splinter Twin. Yeah, but your ability to play them together, uh, I guess, is more recently. Fair. Yeah, because I love me some Blue Moon, and that has been my finisher in Blue Moon for a very long time. Because even just like casting a Pestermite or a Deceiver Exarch, just for value, like tapping down your opponent's land, like using it as essentially like a Rashadden port, still pretty good. Yeah, even upkeep, end of turn, there's... Yeah, there's a lot of play to those cards, and that's one of the best parts about them. I could not agree more. Well, Matt, you want to hear my number two? I do want to hear your number two. I don't know if you'll be able to guess this one. It's not a white card. 
I honestly don't know. I know you're number one. Oh, I know you do too. My number two is actually Blood Moon. That surprises me that you have. I love. It's oh, you not do as, love yourself a blood moon. I do really enjoy blood. That was like my favorite deck in Modern for a very, very long time was just Pessermite, Deceiver Exarch, Kiki-Jiki, Blood Moon, throw a couple lands and other cards in that mix. Call it a day. And there's just some games that Blood Moon just wins you on the spot. Not as of recent because of your favorite card, Astrolabe. Yeah, Blood Moon has definitely gone down significantly in power level since the printing of Arkham's Astrolabe. But before that, oh. Blood yeah, Moon get, was getting people so with Blood fun. Moon always felt pretty good. Like your opponent just goes like fetch Shockland, fetch Shockland, and you're just like <laughs> nice mountains, idiot, <laughs> got him, got him good. Or my all-time favorite game one against like a Titan combo deck using Valakit, and you Blood Moon them, and they're just like, oh, I can't win the game. Yeah, can't cast anything, can't do anything. Yeah, that is an all-time power move right there. Here's like, oh, the, the deck that wants to get mountains into play can't because it has too many mountains. Bummer. <laughs> Some of my favorite things with Blood Moon uh, were in Storm decks, Richling into a Blood Moon on turn two, and they're like, oh. Oh, cool, dead. This tap land I played is a mountain, and all the fetch lands in my hands are mountain, and yeah, then you blood... just buy yourself infinite time to kill them. Yeah, Blood Moon is particularly potent against fetch lands. And yeah, like you said, if you get it out early and your opponent just doesn't have anything and can't do anything... You can just take all the time in the world because they just have a bunch of mountains and they can't use them. Yeah, they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. all, right. all right. My number two is Wheel of Fortune. Oh, spin that wheel, baby. Let's draw some cards. Yep. Uh, one of the most powerful cards probably ever printed. I mean, it has like an entire strong. concept named after it. Like every single yeah. card that like shuffles or discards cards and then you draw any number of cards, they're just referred to as wheel effects. It's always good, especially when you can dump your hand, draw seven, and get your little card advantage over your opponent who does not get that same up. Oh, big time. And there's, like, commander decks that just abuse this. Also, my favorite thing about this is that, like, Wheel of Fortune and Time Twister exist in the same set. Time Twister is power nine, and things are still referred to as wheel effects. Yep. I love that. Moving on to number one, Time Twister. hey -oh! I kind of assumed that that was yeah. going to be your number one. Yeah, it's I love that card. It's so much fun. But yeah, like you said, same thing. It's, it's better because you shuffle everything back. Yeah, you so shuffle your hand and grind your library, draw seven. Your yes. opponent does this. I was tinkering with an old school deck that you that was it? no, my win condition was just regrowth and recalling. Um was basically just to mill them out. My win condition would have been Felden's Cane and Time Twister to be able to get my graveyard back and Tormod's Crypt their graveyard. I love that. <laughs> oh, and that was person. that was the only actual win kitchen in the deck was dead. That is the most old school thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Pretty glorious. I love that. Well, so, Matt, do you want to announce my number one? I'm going to go ahead and say that it is Flicker Whisper. Oh, you're right. It is Flicker Whisper. <laughs> uh, yeah, I there was no way it wasn't. Yeah, it's weird that my top one three mana spell is uh, the best creature ever printed. I'm not even going to argue with you. You're trying yeah, to get me riled up. Because you can't argue that. Because that is just fact. That is law. Flickerwisp is the best creature of all time. It slices, it dices, it does everything. You can blink your opponent's stuff. You can blink out a land. If you activate Aether Vial, you can do it on your opponent's turn. Blink out a land for the entire turn. They can't use it. Let's say, oh, your, your opponent plays a really busted Planeswalker. Oh, well, the, guess what? They can't use it. 
that entire turn. Got him. And then it just comes in with the starting loyalty. You attack it with a flicker wisp because three damage is a lot. Uh, it's dead. Yeah, suck that, Jason Mind Sculptor. Can't really do much about that, bud. It dead. I love me some flicker wisp. That is the... Oh, man. I could, I could write a book on flicker wisp. You need a better hobby. Okay, I'll write a book on Lord of the Rings. Though. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to write a book and somehow entwine Lord of the Rings lore and flicker wisp into the same book. I somehow believe... It's just going to be Flicker Wisp takes the ring, and it's just going to be three yeah. pages. Flicker Wisp flew, dropped the ring, fade to black. Damn it. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to my audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> God, three mana spells are so much better than paying the companion tax. Yeah, undoubtedly true. Yeah, so suck it, companion. My Flicker Wisp will just wreck you any day. That's the... No, it's just true. That's fact. I'm going to just stock up on Dreadonites. Oh, oh, no. Or Plague Engineer naming Elemental. When there's only one elemental in my deck and it totally hoses me. That's happened so many times, it's disgusting. <laughs> That's actually really funny. It's brutal, dude. That makes me chuckle. Oh, I've had it happen. I had a game in Legacy where I was playing against Four Color Pile. And I played a um, Gideon, Ally of Zendikar. I made a 2-2. The next turn, I plussed him and attacked with a bunch. And then the next turn, I minused it. All my creatures got plus one, plus one. Then through the course of the game, my opponent got rid of my Planeswalker, got rid of the token, and then got to a point in the game where they had Plague Engineer and I had a Flicker West. They named Elemental with a Plague Engineer. And then the next turn, they played Plague Engineer on Elemental again, and I lost the game on the spot. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, it was so brutal. It was the worst, worst day of my life. And that was bad beats with Tyler. <laughs> you have a lot of those stories because death and taxes play counter spells. No, it just makes you so your opponent can't do it. I do have so many bad beat stories, though. Not even with death and taxes, but with other decks. God damn. That's going to be a, we're just going to do an episode of all bad beats. I think that everyone has those. Like any game you play like that, it's just like, oof. So bad. My all time favorite bad beat story wasn't even playing uh, death and taxes. It was playing Jeskai, though. That felt bad. Jeskai Control? Yep. It was right after Battle for Zendikar was printed. Um, and Warping Whale is a card. Warping Whale is a card. And did you know that on Warping Whale, the card, one of the modes is counter-target sorcery? Goodbye, Wrath of God. Yep. Uh-huh. Played Wrath of God. Didn't care about how I tapped my mana uh, against my affinity opponent. And then they played Warping Whale, which I did not know was a card at the time. And I read it. I was you like, know now. Look down at my mana. Realized I did not leave a blue open for the two counter spells I had in my hand. I was like, oh. That's a real bummer. Oh, I'm dead. And packed up my cards and went home. <laughs> and that's what happened. I think my worst bad beat was getting blown out by zealous persecution. Oh, I can't believe I was there for that. That's my favorite moment of magic. That one was a rough one. I'll get into it later, but. That's going to be your bad beat story episode. Save that one yeah, for a rainy day. That was a good one. That's a good bad beat story. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, there's only one thing left to do. We got a game. The game is afoot. We, the game is afoot. And the game we're referring to is Accumulated Knowledge. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, every week we close out the episode by playing a little game. In this game, we go to the Scryfall website and we hit the random card generating button. A random card pops up and one of us asks the name of that card. The other has to guess the mana cost of the card. If they get it right, they get a point. And if they don't, uh, they never get to play a three-mana spell ever again. That one, that's rough. That might be the most brutal punishment yet. 
in our list of it's hypothetical punishments, that one's pretty bad. Yeah, it's up there. Magic is just functionally, like, almost unplayable without three-mana spells. Uh, no, wait, Luris showed that that's really not... Oh, wait, Luris is three-mana. Never mind. Retract that. Yeah, I was about to say, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're crazy. But, Matt, I am asking you this week. Pat, you are, sir. Are you ready for your first card? I suppose so. Your first one? I don't know if you'll get this one or not. It's kind of a weird one. It is Chancellor of the Spire. It's the red one? Is it? I think it's the red one. I honestly don't know. I only know of the tangle and the white one. The tangle is the, the green, green one, right? yeah. And the white one makes them pay for an additional spell. I want to say this is the red one, but I'm not positive. I'm going to go with the red one. I'm going to go for red, red, red. Matt, is that your final answer? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Matt, you got the mana cost for Chancellor of the Forge. Uh... But unfortunately, this is the blue one, Chancellor of the Spire. It is for blue, blue, blue. Yeah, that's... That one doesn't surprise me that I didn't get that. And Matt is referring to the Chancellor cycle from New Phyrexia. There's one of each color. They are all the same mana cost, except for the three colors of mana is obviously for whatever color it's referring to. Uh, this one, Chancellor of the Spire, like I said, uh, four blue, blue, blue is a creature Sphinx. And it says, you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, at the beginning of your first upkeep, each opponent puts the top seven cards from his or her library into his or her graveyard. It has flying, and also, whenever Chancellor of the Spire enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard without paying its mana cost. I actually probably would have got that. If you would have asked for the text, you would have 1,000% got it. Yeah. 100%. That's all right. Oh, and it's a 5-7. And yeah, you're right. I, don't, I can't believe you didn't immediately think of Chancellor of the Annex. That's the white one. That is the white one. That's the first one I always think of because it's the only one that's played. Yeah, it's the one that makes their spells cost more. Yep. And all of them have that ability of you can reveal it. The black one is they lose three, drain and gain three, I think. Just And I only know that because of the mana-less deck that I did for Spice. Oh, yeah, that is... Once uh, upon a time. Chancellor of the Drouse. Yeah, that one's pretty good. And then, yeah, you got the one from Chancellor of the Forge, which makes uh, 1-1 Red Goblet. God damn it, I could... uh, No, I didn't want to waste a hint. Don't look back. Number two. Okay, number two is Satanial Flute. This one's a weird one. Rich Shea was trying this in shops. Huh. Doesn't seem very good. But yeah, Satanial Flute. I know it's an artifact. Huh. Well, that's weird that it would be in shops and be an artifact. Shops also plays Dismember, which is not an artifact. Thank you very which much. Member? Fuck off. <laughs> With that shit, I set you up for that pretty perfectly. <laughs> oh, I think I, I have to use a hen or I just lose. Oh, well, if you want, if you're asking whether it's an artifact or not, I'll give you a free one. It is. Yeah, figured. Give me the uh, text on that. The text on this card is X and tap. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. That's terrible. I told you it's not very good. I want to say this is four mana. Any colors I'm gonna, in that? Zero colors. I'm going to go with four. Four colorless mana. Yeah. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Matt, it is five colorless. God damn it. That's even worse. I know. It's so bad. Oh, this card rich. What were you doing, bud? He must have realized immediately that this is a pile. Yeah, I, I don't know why he would think this was the card that he was playing. Was he maybe playing like Karn's Silver Golem in the deck? I don't know. Because like making this a 5-5 five five is like, okay, I guess. And also like tutoring up your Karn is like fine. But even still, this seems bad. Yeah, that, that, it's not very good. Damn, well, 
That's a rough start. Yeah, really and not finish. good start. Yeah. Yeah, start right. and finish. Yeah, give me number three, I guess. Your number three is Giant Mantis. It's green. Very astute. Matt, I'll give you a free hint. How do you feel about that? It's a mantis. No, no it's a creature insect. That's what it is. Oh. Uh... I always thought that the great insects of Tezem were frightening until I saw the Eldrazi. Now I welcome the sight of mantis perched in the treetops. Ryza, Orin Reef Scout. That's who said that. I'm going to guess two and a green. Two and a green, Matt. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Matt, it is three and a green. Jesus, I'm fucking up hard yeah, today. Fucking blowing it today, dude. Woo-wee. It is three and a green for a two-four with reach. That's a spider cost. What is this bullshit mantis? It's an insect, man. What are you going to do? Even though spiders aren't insects, they're arachnids, and also they're spiders and magic. I don't know, man. <laughs> do you want a confidence booster, though? Sure. Uh, your next one's Blur Sliver, and I have a good idea that you're going to get this one, because uh, we've had this one in the past, and I believe I, I missed the it. first half of whatever you said. Oh, it's Blur Sliver. Oh, oh, this is two in a red. It is. It is the haste one. I'm pretty sure you've got this one before. Uh, no. Corey got the uh, heart slip. Oh, there you go. You're right. That, which is the other haste slip. But yeah, this is two in a red for a 2-2. Sliver creatures you control have haste. Where the other one that Corey got was all sliver set. Yes. Matt, are you yeah, ready that, was a, your... that was a softball. Yeah, that was a pretty easy one. Are you ready for your fifth and final one? Yeah, hit me. It is Spike Shot Elder. I'm going to be honest. Didn't know this card existed. I know I've heard the name of this before. Give me the text on that. Matt, the text on this card is one and two red Spike Shot Elder deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. Three mana. Yeah, one and two red. Doesn't tap. No, it does not. This is a weird one. Like I said, did not know this card existed until right now looking at it on the screen. I know I've heard this before. I would go so far as to say there are multiple formats you've played where you've seen this card. Not frequently. Is this in Modern Masters? I guess you don't have to answer that. But I will. It is in a Modern Masters. I'm pretty sure this is red. Just one red. Is that your final answer, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. It is one red. For a 1-1 one, yeah. one Goblin Shaman. Because this is a rare. Has that tag. It is a rare. Yeah, I've opened this before, and I'm like, what in the fuck is why going on Why is this a rare? Here? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, why does this card exist? For no reason than for me just to scratch my head and just think, but... A very, yeah. very mana-inefficient mana dump? I guess Or with, so. like, pump spells? Or lords or something, I guess? What's I mean, it the... does go to the head, too, which is a real thing. What's the uh, mana cost on... Or the, the uh, creature type? It is a goblin shaman. Uh, so yeah, there are goblins. Oh, for sure so, there are. I don't think there are in Modern Master. What set is this originally from? Uh, Scars of Mirrodin. Oh, there's definitely not freaking got lords in that set. Yeah, that's a weird one, man. That is this strange. This is a really weird one. <laughs> I'm sure there's in speed, too, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, there's somebody out there who's, like, losing their mind, just like, Oh, how could you not think about this and this and this with bike shot elder, you idiots, you fucking dumb idiots, like we're just getting shit on. Probably, that's fun. It's probably good with infinite mana because you just win. Yeah, that seems like something you could do with infinite mana. But um, if you're going to have infinite mana, there's probably an easier way to win than Spike Shot Elder. Absolutely. <laughs> I can think of uh, Walking Ballista as one of them. Walking Ballista wasn't out and scores a mirror in. You're right. Or in Modern Masters 2015. But have you heard of Banefire? Or, yeah, just Fireball. Fireball? 
<laughs> just anything that you can just do <laughs> that is just more efficient than this dumb idiot. It is a good, it's a one drop, so sure. Oh, you, it does get out early, and it does attack for one. I guess this would be good to just ping off X1. No, it's terrible. I'm not I, was saying, I don't, I don't to... know why we're trying to rationalize this card being like anything other than just like very bad. Yeah, it's, it's pretty terrible. It's really not good. But Matt, you fucking took a dive on that one, man. That was a rough one. I mean, if we're going to be honest, the first one, you just mistook the color. I get it. Uh, I would have gotten it, with, although I wouldn't have gotten this last one, and I don't... Without a hint, you mean? Yeah, that's what I said, without a hint. I don't think I would have gotten it. Yeah, I, if, I find it hard to believe that that would be... And, I mean, and honestly, even with a hint, I don't think I would get that either. Like, it's just, that's just so awkward. Pretty bad. bad, yeah. So bad. But Matt, you know what? I'm such a kind spirit, and since you took such a beating on that, I think I'm just going to give you the shout-out anyway. All right, so... One, my shout out for the week. Thank you, by the way. I you're guess welcome. I, you're just returning the favor of all the ones that I've sent your way. Yeah, after my abysmal losses. Yeah, I am going to shout out a website called Draftism. So it's a website that you basically draft for free. You can't actually play, but it helps you kind of get to know some of the cards and uh, kind of try to order your picks, etc. It's pretty cool. I play around on here from time to time uh, because it is pretty fun and a good thing to practice drafting. Yeah, just being able to just see cards. Yeah, and it's also generally pretty um, pretty smooth, too. Like, it's not a shitload of load time or anything like that. Oh, no. It seems like it's actually really, really nice. I'm on it actually right now looking just like looking through an Ikoria draft. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm just like clicking through and it just adding to the card pool um after you click through all the cards do you get to build your deck afterwards i don't think you actually get to build your deck okay um but you still can like see your deck if that makes sense yeah yeah so you can at least like see the draft pool that you that you drafted and kind of just like craft a deck mentally through that yeah exactly yeah that's a i mean it seems like a killer tool it's really reminiscent of uh Cube Cobra that we covered, that we shouted out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Except exactly. for instead of cubes, it's actual sets. sets. Yeah, to pick whatever set. Which I think is arguably more useful for a lot of Magic players that, like, maybe are not necessarily into cube, but into draft. They just want a tool that's not going to cost them gems on Magic Arena or, uh, like, tickets or play points on Magic Online. Like, you can just jump on this website, run through a draft in, like, five minutes. Not even. Like, a minute just to kill time and then just move on with your day. Yeah, it goes pretty quick because you don't have to wait on other people to... Make their picks. Yeah, you just... Once you pick it, it's instantly to the next set of them. Yeah, which I like. I mean, any anything like this that's a tool for me to just, like, jam drafts just super quick and I don't have to sit down and dedicate my time to, like, doing an entire draft or playing an actual game some magic because sometimes I just don't have the time to do that. Yeah, and you can just run through it real quick and say, you know what, I should have picked that up or picked this up or this is what I could have done differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a just, super good tool. Yeah, just a nice little nice little tool to use to kind of help pick up your uh, draft skills. I like that a lot. Hell yeah. Good shout out, dude. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Um, 
I did actually end up drafting a Corio once, and the cycling deck is so much better than fucking everything else. <laughs> it's just like leaps and bounds. Like unbelievably better. Yeah, if you can just get the cards to support that deck, like you're just leaving everybody in the dust. Yeah, without a doubt. Right on. Well, man, I think this is the part of the episode where we uh, do some shameless plugging. Plug away, my dude. Alrighty, folks. Well, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider going onto the Twitter and following us at fetch underscore shock. Additionally, if you would like to hear my shitty opinions, you can follow me <laughs> at basic land bin. If you want to hear Matt and his just general lack of tweeting, uh, you can follow him at it's Bob. And if you like us so much that you want to be able to talk to us whenever you damn well, please, I urge you to join the fetch and shock discord we have a great community of people on there that are always up to talk about new brews, what's going on in the meta for any format, uh, what's going on in Magic with all of these funky releases like the Secret Lairs and the Spellbook and all of the teasers and spoilers for Corset 2021 and just like g- g- general shenanigans. The general shenanigans is the best part. The best part of it, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, go on to the uh, Fetch and Shock Discord, join it. You can find that link either in the details for this episode or on the Fetch and Shock Twitter that we just mentioned. Couldn't be. No, it is that easy. All right, dude. Well, you got anything else for me uh, for this lovely Thursday evening? I do not, actually. Perfect, because I am going to go turn my fan back on because I have to turn it off for the recording because it's very loud. Uh, That Uh, makes sense. Yeah, so I'm going to go stop sweating my balls off. Uh, But until next week, we will see you later next! Peace! Goodbye.